Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another episode of the New Yorker podcast presented by Visa. I'm your host, Olivia Landis. All month long, it is Women's History Month, the month of March. I've been able to have some already incredible women on the podcast to talk about careers, life, and experiences. And this week, I am super excited to announce MJ Acosta, who is the host of NFL Total Access. She works for NFL Network. We love following her content. MJ, thank you so much for joining us on the New York Curve Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. By the way, I'm obsessed with the name of this podcast. I'm not clever enough to come up with these, this like wordplay. So I love how you guys spun that. It's perfect. Thank you. I appreciate it. I can, honestly, I can't take the credit because I'm I'm not like super creative when it comes to names. So I had a lot of help on that one, but I appreciate it. Very good. So, MJ, let's dive into who you are and some of your career. Uh, when I was doing a lot of research and I've been following your career for a while now, actually, and you've done some amazing things with NFL Network, but before you started in sports and before all this kind of came to light and, and you were able to get your career started, you grew up with a father who was a professional basketball player for the Dominican Republic. And I would love to know how much that had an influence on your love for sports. Yeah, so my dad played at the played at the pro level um, in the Dominican Republic, which is where he and my mom are from. This was, I mean, before my parents even ever met, right? So he was in his early college days in medical school, um, but he always had this love and this very huge talent for basketball. So he was recruited onto the national team um, there sort of in the first years of its inception, so in the very early 80s. Um, and he played for several years until he decided to focus solely um, on his medical degree. Um, so when they immigrated to the United States and um, both he and my mom sort of had to start completely over, um, one of the things that, that really helped them through some of those very difficult times, we're actually living in Washington Heights in New York, um, was his love of, of basketball. So he joined an optimist league um, there in Washington Heights. And so pretty much every single night after school, I was with him at practice. Whether I was finishing up my homework course side, if my mom let me, um, to just learning like how to dribble and how to shoot. I mean, it was if you can imagine this tiny little like six, seven year old girl and these like gigantic dudes playing basketball, but I loved being there with him every night. And it really was the start of my love um, for sports, not to mention the Dominican Republic, as you know, one of our biggest exports, baseball players. So baseball, also a huge part of my life. Football didn't come into play until I got into high school, really. So that's where it all sort of started for me. And what was it like for you to have a father growing up watching him play both professionally and then like you said, you immigrated to the United, they, your parents immigrated to the United States and you grew up for a while in Washington Heights and you watched him play more basketball. What was that like for you to be able to see somebody you love so much and look up to him in a big sports world? Yeah, it was really cool, especially because it wasn't just my dad. It was all of my uncles as well. I had cousins. I mean, um, anyone who's from New York knows this, like the pickup basketball game is sort of like such a crux of the culture there. Um, so if we weren't inside the gym at the court, it was at a park. Um, you know, playing ball. Sadly, I did not inherit his talent for basketball. Did not get that like athleticism, but my love for it certainly was there. So um, it was. I, I was just surrounded by it at all times, and so every person in my life, from my aunts to my uncles, my cousins, all made sure, like, all right, we're not only going to love the game, but also understand how to play it and what goes into it too. Something interesting you said, and you know, our fellow New Yorkers who are listening to this podcast, I'm sure can relate. You said that the game of basketball, a pickup game of basketball is really part of the culture when it comes to being a true New Yorker. 
right? Yep. Why is that though? Because I'm not from New York, I'm from Colorado. So I'm from the Mountain West. And when I moved out here, I moved out here for this job with the New York Jets. And you know, when you move to a new place, you start to learn the culture and how every everybody uh, grows up. But why is it such a big staple in New York City life? I think part of it too is the accessibility to it, right? Like yeah. you can go to any given park and there's a hoop. Um, I know in my neighborhoods, they were making hoops out of, you know, like milk crates um, and such. So it's just really being able to have the access to it. I think it's a big part of it. But culturally, too, um, if you're coming from black and brown communities, uh, basketball and sports in general are a very big part of that. So I think it was a time when people could just really get together. Um, the guys in particular could just meet up. It, it was it was such um, I remember my cousins, I mean, constantly wearing basketball shorts with a ball in their arm. I mean, there wasn't one time that I can picture of them unless we were like at a family gathering um, where that wasn't sort of the look. Um, and it's, I mean, I can't, from as early as I can remember, that was just part of daily life. All right, you go to school, do your homework, you go to the court, and that was it. That's so interesting. And you grew up, like you said, in Washington Heights and had that experience as a New Yorker. But then your family kind of picked up and moved to Miami, Florida. Was mm -hmm. that a big adjustment for you? Oh, tremendous, tremendous. I mean, my mom was very much done with the blizzards and the winter and all of that stuff. We had a crazy blizzard the year before we moved to Florida. Um, and that pretty much pretty much put the pin in it. Uh, it's a wrap. We're going back um, to Miami. And I say back to Miami because that's actually where I was born. I was born in Miami, Florida, before we quickly went to the Dominican Republic and then to New York. So it was a kind of an interesting <laughs> little loop for us there as a family. Um, but we have a ton of family in Miami as well. And um, it just became sort of the next chapter. So I started high school um, in Miami and, it, and it's totally different. Not so much culturally because we were still surrounded by so many different ethnicities and people from different countries and South America and the Caribbean. Um, so we still s sort of felt uh, comfortable in that sense. But the lifestyle of Miami to New York is very, very different. Not to mention mm -hmm. the weather. But um, it was an adjustment just for me as a teenager, right? Like who wants to leave the only home they really remember as a teenager? It was very that dark and gloomy teenage part of me, but I very quickly adjusted. Um, there was no choice because um, yeah. I don't know if you, once your mom says, this is where we're going, it's a wrap. That's yeah. where you're going. So once I didn't have a, a say in the matter. <laughs> once mom puts her foot down, that's really it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, fast forward, you went to Barry University and you received your Bachelor of Arts in Communications. At that point, when you were a college student, did you know you wanted to be on television and you wanted to be in sports or where did that come from and when did that come into play? Yeah, well, to answer that, I actually have to rewind a little bit um, because mm -hmm. my road to Barry actually went through several different avenues. Um, out of high school, going into college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. All I knew is that I wanted to dance. I've been a dancer since I was a little girl. Um, ballet, jazz, hip hop, Latin, you name it, I did it in the studios. Um, you know, worked on the weekends just so I could pay my way through through a dance studio class. Um, so that's all I, I really knew that I loved to do. So my goal was to just own my own dance studio. So I started off as a business major um, right out of high school. Very quickly remembered that math and I, no, it's not a good math. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and taking these classes and I don't know, I'm still of the mindset like, some people perhaps all their lives know what they're destined for, but I think both folks at 18 have absolutely no clue, like what's coming next. Um, so I was, I went through my first couple of years of school, I realized I was very, very lost. So I, I sort of found comfort in the one thing I knew that I loved, which was dance. 
So I actually toured a bunch um, as a professional dancer um, through the dance community in, in Miami. Um, and that ultimately led me to a job on a TV show um, on um, a sister network to Telemundo. It was called Mundos. So sort of like a music show. Think like Fly Girls on a Living Color. Not sure if I'm um, aging myself with that reference, but <laughs> sort of the vibe of what the show was. And I was one of the dancers on the show. But that was my intro to the world of television and broadcast and all of that. So um, I would go in every day and like talk to the producers, like pick the brain of the hosts, go up to master control. I mean, I've told this story a billion times because I was so um, just excited about the possibilities and how the show came together. Mm-hmm. So after that, uh, at that point in my life, I'd taken a break from school to figure it out. And it sort of came to me, like one passion led me to what is now my career. So I re-enrolled the next semester at Fair University as a new student. And then it was full steam ahead, especially because I I was a little bit older at that point, right? I was like 26 when I went back to school, which Mm -hmm. most people are done with college at that age. So I really felt like I was behind. Um, So I focused all my energy on finishing my degree and, um, you know, starting to get to work and have not stopped working since then. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's usually how it goes to uh once you once you find your passion and find exactly what it is you want to do it's kind of just like uh, keep grinding from there right exactly. right exactly but you weren't quite ready to give up dance right because you were an nfl cheerleader for a couple of seasons so yeah. what went into that decision or really just how did that kind of lay itself out yeah so i auditioned it was a goal of mine as a dancer for a long time to dance at the professional um sports level, which um, for most women is either NBA or, or NFL. So I tried out for the Miami Dolphins cheerleaders many, many times. <laughs> and <laughs> as I like finished, you know, I was checking off all of these other goals of mine. I finished my degree. I started working in journalism. I was really full force. And I still had this one um, very major goal that I had yet to accomplish. And so something in me said, okay, now I'm working full time, but I still have it. I still have it in me to give it one more go. This was now my fifth time auditioning for the Miami Dolphins. Wow, wow. Yeah, girl. So um, I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. So I went back, and that was the year that I made it, as I was already a full-time reporter. And I don't know, I think things just, um, when you're really pouring pouring your energy into something and are very focused on what you want, things start to align when you're putting in the work. And so it, those two things just fused together. I managed to balance it, uh, you know, all at once, but it was the most incredible experience. I'm so glad that um, I bet on myself um, and that I gave it one more shot because um, I will never forget that experience. To this day, I carry it with me so closely. And big kudos to you for those of you listening or watching the podcast. Uh, it is not easy. And I know it firsthand yeah. because I used to sit at some of you know, the New York Jets, their, their cheerleading and dancing squad is called the flight crew. Mm-hmm. So I sat firsthand and watched some of these auditions and you really get a newfound respect for how tough it is because it's its own sport. It's its own yeah. passion pathway for people. So I commend you for continuing to try, try out and, and live out your dreams because that's, it's not something easy. It's really no. not. So, so then, you know, having watching those auditions, it's several, it's a process that's several, several weeks in the making. You yes. have to go through several rounds, you go through boot camp, then you, you know, there's cuts along the way. So same thing with Dolphins. I would make it all the way to finals every single year and then just come up short making the team. So I think that part of it too is like, oh, I know that I'm right there that I can still do it. So for anyone listening who has maybe been rejected a lot of times, by the way, which is also parallel to what we do in journalism, you get a lot yeah. of no's before you get a yes. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it, it also prepared me in that sense um, for for this life as a journalist, too. 
Well, you pretty much segued it perfectly into my next question uh, because you said the NFL kind of came a little bit later in life and your passion for football came later. Was that the first kind of itch you got for like, wow, I really love football. This is where I want to be. Is that, is that where it came from or did it start before that? It started before that because I was actually um, a collegiate dancer as well for the University of Miami. So um, my early or like right out of high school, um, before I took the break from college, um, I was a University of Miami Hurricane at for three seasons. Um, so it was such an incredible time. This is right after they won the national championship in 2001, oh, 2002 wow. was my freshman year. So like that buzz was still building. I mean, it was incredible. We were at the original Orange Bowl. Um, so, so much history there. But um, I really fell in love with American football um, in high school. And so that led me through to, you know, audition um, at the University of Miami and then I mean, once you're cheering for the U, it's kind of impossible not to be completely obsessed with all things football. So um, it, it just became such a such an obsession of mine <laughs> in my life. Um, it took it to another level once I was in college. Um, and then um, as I followed so many of our players um, from the U that made it to the NFL, you know, it all bleeds through and it all comes together. So let's let's fast forward now after you were able to spend a couple of years in the NFL as um, as a cheerleader. Um, after that, you were able to work. Um, correct me if I'm wrong at Telemundo, correct? And then a, a local station in Florida. Is that kind of where you first got so that break? Or Florida, Florida first. Yeah, I stayed in Miami. Um, I was working for a couple of different um, sort of independent stations and different projects there and then worked for the ABC station there as well. So my first about five, six years in the industry were, were in the South Florida market. Um, worked for ABC in Miami, WPLG. Um, and then um, at that point, I was doing a little bit of everything. So hard news, anchoring, traffic anchoring, um, sports, of course, lifestyle, entertainment. But I knew that sports was really my focus. Um, and listen, if you're a sports broadcaster in Miami, that's kind of like you ain't going anywhere for a while, right? So I knew that if I really wanted to get more experience and, and more opportunities, I was going to have to sort of break out of that box, that comfort zone that I knew. Um, so an opportunity came up in San Diego for me to be the lead sports anchor um, at the NBC affiliate there. I said, you know what, the time is now. Um, so I packed up all my stuff and flew literally across the country um, and started there. So there I was able to cover the Chargers, of course, before they moved to LA. Um, baseball, of course, with the Padres and um, international soccer um, with the Cholos who are playing the Liga MX for Mexico. It was such an all-encompassing experience. Um, probably a point in my career and in my life where I learned more about what I truly loved and more about myself than I had ever done before. And that led me here to um, the opportunities I've had at the NFL Network. Well, besides being able to learn more about yourself and learn more about the things that you truly want to focus on when it comes to your career, how did those smaller steps prepare you for where you're at now in your career? Yeah, I never like to think of them as, as smaller steps, right? Because each step um, gradually builds on the other, right? So it's an accumulation as you go on. But having to be your own producer, your own writer, your own editor, your uh, uh, one-person band, um, it, it really is invaluable experience. Being out there gaining your credibility, building relationships with organizations, with players, with teams, with executives. I mean, that kind of experience um, can't be bought. It was it was just one of those things where you're sort of thrown into the deep end and it's quite literally sink or swims. Um, so <laughs> yeah. every single step and every point on my career, regardless of how challenging it was, 
it, it's really a point where like, all right, let's go, girl. This is what you've been waiting for. So um, you don't always get it right. I've made a lot of mistakes in my career. Trust me, mm. a lot of them. <laughs> um, but from each one, you can either sit there and sulk, which I give myself about 24 hours to do, um, yeah. and pick yourself back up and, and, and you see what you can glean um, from, from, from every single moment. So it's, it's been an incredible ride. And I know it's been over a decade at this point, uh, in the biz, but I'm, I'm truly, truly just getting started. Well, now that you are where you are at today and with, like you said, accumulating all of these steps that they build off one another and each opportunity taught you something different. What is one piece of advice you would offer to not just people in journalism, but in general who are trying to go and chase their dreams? Uh, bet on yourself. Always, always. Don't forget that what you're bringing to the table is not only necessary, um, but it's also so special and so needed. Um, I think a lot of times, especially in, in broadcasting, right, in journalism, um, we feel, and as women, if I can be quite frank, um, we're just like, oh, I'm so happy to be here. But you know what? They're just as lucky to have you there as well. Um, so remember that you've earned um, every accomplishment and you've earned all the cuts and bruises on the way as well. <laughs> um, and so that only makes you better for the wear. So um, just just don't forget that the vessel that you are brings with it a lot of beautiful things that, that anybody would be lucky to have. Absolutely incredible note to end on. Thank you so much, MJ Acosta, for joining us on the New Yorker podcast presented by Visa. It was a pleasure to talk to you and good luck. We'll be supporting you for NFL Network. Thank you, Olivia. Likewise. That's a wrap on another episode of the New Yorker podcast presented by Visa. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody who takes the time to listen in every single week, we want to thank you guys, me, my producer, everybody involved. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and share. If there's a particular episode that stands out to you, leave some comments and let us know what you want to hear more of. But thank you guys again. We'll see you next time.